So this morning we're going to be looking at the topic of joy. Um, but the reality is our experience of life is not always a joyful one. We see the word joy uh, written during Christmas time all the time. It's on cards, it's on wrapping paper, it's on decorations. But this doesn't mean our Christmas is always going to be a joyful one. For some, Christmas can be a sad season. Uh, John Cheever, in 1949, a little while ago now, uh, wrote a story just before Christmas, a short story, and I want to share with you this morning an excerpt of it. It's titled, Christmas is a Sad Season for the Poor. Christmas is a sad season. The phrase came to Charlie an instant after the alarm clock woke him. And with it came a vague depression that had troubled him all the previous evening. The sky outside his window was black. He sat up in bed and pulled the light chain that hung in front of his nose. Christmas is a very sad day of the year, he thought. Of all the millions of people in New York, I am practically the only one who has to get up in the cold black of 6 a.m. on Christmas Day in the morning. I am practically the only one. He dressed and started to walk down the street and he arrived at work. He opened the iron and glass doors of the apartment building where he'd been working as an elevator operator. With the doorman sick that day, Charlie wouldn't have any relief for lunch. And a lot of people would expect him to whistle for cabs. Charlie had been duty, on duty for just a few minutes when number 14 rang. A Mrs. Hewing. She got into the elevator wearing a long dress under her fur coat. When she got off the elevator, she said, Merry Christmas, Charlie. And he replied, well, it isn't much of a holiday for me, Mrs. Ewing. I think Christmas is a very sad season of the year. It isn't that people around here aren't generous. I mean, I get plenty of tips. But you see, I live alone in a furnished room and I don't have any family or anything. And Christmas isn't much of a holiday for me. I'm sorry, Charlie, Mrs. Ewing said. It's kind of sad when you're alone, isn't it? And she went on her way. Then old Mrs. Miller rang, and when she wished him a Merry Christmas, he hung his head. It isn't much of a holiday for me, Mrs. Miller, he said. Christmas is a sad season if you're poor. You see, I don't have any family. I live alone in a furnished room. I don't have any family either, Charlie, Mrs. Miller said. I don't have any children with me today. I have three children and seven grandchildren, but none of them can see their way coming east for Christmas. But I know how you feel, Charlie. I haven't had any family either. I'm just as lonely as you. Mrs. Miller's speech didn't move Charlie. Then the bell rang on number four, and he went up to get the Smiths. It isn't much of a holiday for me, he told them, when they wished him a Merry Christmas. Christmas is a sad season when you're poor, you see. I live alone in a furnished room. 
Poor Charlie, Mrs. Smith said. I know just how you feel during the war when Mr. Smith was away. I was all alone at Christmas. I didn't have any Christmas dinner or a tree or anything. I just scrambled myself some eggs and sat there and cried. I know just how you feel, Charlie, Mrs. Smith said. Charlie continued to complain to most of the tenants when they wished him a Merry Christmas. But this outpouring of melancholy and the sympathy it aroused didn't make him feel any better. Christmas is not always a season of joy. And maybe this Christmas we can relate to Charlie a bit. We can relate to his loneliness. We can relate to the depression, the disappointments. We can connect with that story more than we can connect to Christmas being a time of joy. There are many reasons why Christmas can be a sad season. And my hope is that we can celebrate this Christmas with joy, even when our circumstances would suggest otherwise. Not because we've ignored our circumstances, not because we've ignored the pain or pushed aside the hardship, but because we can have a joy in Jesus that transcends it. Charlie, the elevator operator, thought, if only he had a more lavish Christmas dinner. If only he had more people to share it with. If only he had more money to spend at Christmas time. If only he had a bigger and better house. Then he would have joy at Christmas time. Charlie's Christmas joy was dependent by his circumstances. But the Bible doesn't talk about joy as being something so transient, something so fragile. Galatians 5.22, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So joy is a product of having the Holy Spirit dwell within us. If we have relationship with Jesus, an outcome of that is joy. True Christian joy isn't something that is derived from ourselves or from our circumstance. See, the world produces many, many imitations of joy. But unless it is from the Holy Spirit, that joy will be lacking. So what is Christian joy? How do we define it? And I think uh, John Piper puts it well when he says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. When we experience Jesus, the Holy Spirit wells up joy in our souls. He's the source of joy. Sometimes we can think, if I can just muster enough, muster up enough joy within me, then I'll have joy. If I can just read enough positive quotes, if I can just have a better self-esteem, if I can just make it past this exam or past this week, then I'll be joyful. You won't. You won't. If I just 
choose joy. Then I'll have joy. I just need to choose it. No, you won't. Joy is not something derived from ourselves. Joy is derived from God within us. So where do you find your joy? Where will you find your joy this Christmas? Because true joy is only found in God. This Christmas, find your joy in Jesus. As Christians, we have much to celebrate this time of year. We have a pretty significant reason to be joyful at Christmas. And we see that in the Luke passage that Graham read out for us before. And I will read it out again. Luke 2, 9 to 11 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, that's the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. And what is that good news? It says in the next verse, born this day in the city of David, a saviour, who is Christ, the Lord. The angel calls Jesus three names, saviour, Christ, or in some translations, Messiah, and Lord. A saviour. Jesus came to deliver us from the divine and just wrath of God. The Christ, the Messiah, Jesus came as the promised one who would liberate us and free us from the chains of sin and death. And the third one, Lord, our God who has supreme power and authority, he came down as a vulnerable baby came to be our king, our master, our Lord. This Christmas, celebrate with joy that Jesus was born for those three reasons. He came to deliver us. He came to liberate us. And he came to be our king. I cannot conceive of a better reason to be joyful. There is nothing that compares to this good news of great joy. It transcends everything. It impacts everything. It changes everything. It is news that is worthy of a response of great joy. There was a young girl for years and years just wanted a pony for Christmas. Every year she would sit on Santa's lap and Santa would ask her, you know, what would you like for Christmas this year? And she'd say, a pony. I just desperately want a pony. She longed for this pony. It came to Christmas morning and she jumped out of bed in excitement. She's in her pyjamas and woke up her parents dragged them over to the Christmas tree, I want to start opening presents. Her mum said, we know you've wanted this for a long time. 
and we thought it was time and handed her a gift. With a reserved, confused excitement, she, the young girl, opened it. This is very small to be a pony. She opened it and it was a small bale of hay and she burst into tears. Overcome with anger and frustration, this is a terrible present, she said, and stormed off before her parents could say anything, ran into her room and slammed the door. The young girl didn't realise that that small bale of hay was in fact food for the pony that was waiting outside. This small gift of hay was supposed to point her towards the actual gift, the pony. And these small gifts that we celebrate at Christmas time, the gifts of food, the gifts of friends and family and presents, they're all good gifts from God that are supposed to point us towards the actual gift of Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted by all the little things by all the small gifts that we fail to recognise and see the beauty of the actual gift and the ultimate gift. See, when we marvel at Jesus, that he came to deliver us, that he came to liberate us, that he came to be our Lord and our King, the Holy Spirit will produce a deep and lasting joy in us. And this joy isn't dependent on our circumstances, not dependent on if family members behave on Christmas time. Celebrate with joy all of God's good gifts to us and through them, especially celebrate the greatest gift of Jesus. So joy is something that we feel. It's an emotion. And that kind of means that we can't just decide to be joyful. You can't just like click your fingers, flick a switch and, and be joyful. No one here is going to be, after today, listening to me speak. No one's going to think, oh, Jordan, you're just so convincing. Uh, you've persuaded me to be joyful this Christmas. Okay, and now I'm joyful. Like, it doesn't work like that. We can't just decide to be joyful. We can't just decide to feel something. Feelings don't work like that. Like, one time, I thought it would be really funny to scare Clytie, my wife, with a monitor lizard who was over one and a half metres long. I thought she wouldn't be that scared. She could just see it and then just decide not to be fearful because it was not going to get her. But... She was terrified. Um, Feelings don't work like that. Feelings, you can't just decide not to feel something. In 2018, I went through a season of my life uh, where I felt just completely devoid of joy. I couldn't comprehend how to be joyful. It wasn't that my circumstances were bad, not at all. I loved my job. My workplace was great. I loved Clyde. Our marriage was great. Family was going well, no real conflicts. My health was good. I could not even think of a reason why I was sad, why 
I had no joy. I just couldn't choose not to be sad. I couldn't just choose to be joyful. Joy, like all emotions, just can't be controlled. Like, we just can't decide to be joyful. But this doesn't negate our responsibility. In Philippians 4, 4, Paul says to a church that are going through a really hard time and suffering a lot, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. See, we have, as Christians, a mandate to be joyful. Not a fake smile, not just pretending to be happy all the time. Not a joy dependent on worldly pleasures. Not a joy dependent on if your footy team wins or loses. True joy is a byproduct of our relationship with God. Joy is a result of experiencing Jesus through the Word and through the works in the world. I wasn't joyful because I was still dealing with the aftermath of burnout and depression. It was so hard for me to see Jesus. My relationship with Jesus was dry, and so my joy had dried up as a consequence. When we experience the person and work of Jesus afresh, the Holy Spirit will produce joy in us, no matter our circumstances. Jesus is the foundation to our joy. And that is why the angel who appeared to the shepherd described the news of Jesus' birth as good news of great joy. Sometimes it can seem impossible to have joy in God's good gifts, even have joy in the gift of His Son when we're in seasons of pain and suffering. Maybe this Christmas it will bring up family conflict or you'll have awkward moments with difficult people. Maybe you're the one that has to do all the work. You have to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the preparation while everyone just sits back and relaxes and eats and drinks. Maybe you're fighting sickness or plagued by pain this Christmas. Maybe this Christmas will be a time of grief. This Christmas may be the first one without a loved one. See, these things can just make the joy of Christmas, the joy of Jesus' birth, just dissolve like snow. The feelings of fear, anxiety, anger, stress... They all overcome any sense of joy that we might have. So what do we do with our pain? What do we do with our stress and our grief, our frustration? Psalm 126, verses 5 to 6 says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carry seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This psalm describes an image 
of sowing seeds of suffering. And in the end, reaping harvests of joy. Eugene Peterson says this, All suffering, all pain, all emptiness, all disappointment is seed. Sow it in God, and He will finally bring a crop of joy from it. So what seed of suffering do you have? What is taking your joy this Christmas? And what will you sow it in? When I experienced burnout and depression, I was given a lot of seed, many, many bags of seed. Regrettably, I sowed some of that seed in just watching TV and some of it in bitterness. But as I look back on that time of my life, I sowed a lot of it into God too. Clyde and I, we went to church and small groups still every week. I grappled with my devotional in the Psalms. I met with peers fortnightly to keep me accountable. I met with mentors regularly to encourage me in my faith. I stuck to my theological study. I'm sharing this to testify that when we do sow our suffering in God, we do really reap joy. If you sow it in distractions, seeking to numb the pain, you won't reap joy. No matter how much TV you watch, no matter how lost you get in a book, no matter how many holidays or trips you go on, it will not reap joy. No matter how much you drink, no matter how much you shop, no matter how much you work, if you sow your pain in distractions, it will not reap joy. But if we sow our seed of suffering in God, God will produce a harvest of joy. It won't be straight away. Crops take time to grow. But if we seek Jesus through the word and through the world, eventually he will produce joy in us. So as we read God's word, as we read the Bible, God will reveal to us who he is. God will reveal to us more of who we are in him. We'll gain a greater understanding of our identity in Christ as sons and daughters of God, and God will produce joy in us. As we, seek, as we see Jesus throughout the world and his works in the world through his provisions and through his good gifts, through the work of the church and through the testimonies of faith and through answered prayer and, and so on and so forth, God will produce joy in us. Sow your suffering, sow your pain, sow your emptiness and your disappointments in God. Seek after Him, and you will eventually, in time, reap joy. I was at a Christmas party last week, and a co-worker of mine was telling me uh, how, before she had kids, Christmas was just 
a non-event. Her and her husband would give each other presents and say, here you go. And that was Christmas. Uh, No special dinner, no decorations, no celebration. Just, here you go. Years later, they had children. And everything changed. Celebrating Christmas became bigger than ever. The kids were so excited about Christmas time. Getting up before the sun rises, itching to open presents, screaming with excitement as they run around the house with siblings and cousins and uncles and aunties. And this caused my co-worker and her husband to get into Christmas, to really celebrate it. Christmas to children is something so new. It's so exciting. It's so special. But once you've had many Christmases in your life, the story can kind of lose its appeal. It gets familiar. Like a car kind of just loses its shine. Celebrating the birth of Jesus is not the cause of joy that it may have once been. The story of Christmas is an old story. We've probably heard it many, many times. We know it well. And, but through the birth, the death, and then resurrection of Jesus, God has made this old story still impact us today. Jesus is still saving. He is still liberating. He is still our Lord and our King. Every day we can see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. Just because it's an old story and it's familiar, don't let it stop you from seeing the beauty of Jesus this Christmas. Like a child who is filled with joy and excitement, this Christmas, rejoice anew the old story of Christmas. Marvel afresh at Jesus, our Saviour, our Christ, our Lord who was born. Marvel that Jesus would trade his heavenly throne to be born in a manger. Marvel that God would become flesh to save us, to free us, to be our King. Rejoice anew the old story of Christmas. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your birth. We thank you that you would come to earth as a small baby so that you might free us from our sin. You might save us from the wrath and just wrath of God that you might be our King, our Lord of our life. Jesus, we, we thank you for that. Lord, help us to sow our seeds of suffering this Christmas into you. Help us to celebrate with joy this old story of Christmas. Help us to celebrate that you are with us. Help us to have joy in the gift 
of your Son, Jesus. And help us to have joy in anticipating the second advent when you come again. Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us and that you produce in us joy, that we don't have to try harder, we don't have to work at it, but Lord, we can come to you and see your beauty and see your, experience your love and your grace and your mercy and as a product, we will experience your joy. So, Lord, help us this Christmas season not to find joy in the world, not to find joy in other places, but in your good gifts and through you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.